Friday nights, twitch.tv slash Media. We start off with Down Ballot. Yours truly and the councilman go over the week that was in local news with an eye to the absurd. And of course, we tell you who needs to get their shit together. That's followed by Conspiracy Bingo, one of our funnest shows where we literally play bingo and watch conspiracy videos. And of course, I have a few drinks. Terrifying, but lots of fun. Again, Friday nights, stream starts 7.30 p.m. Pacific. Join us, twitch.tv slash Media. Gay, 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 Okay. I'm white and I've got everything I need. No one clutches their purses when they're in a room alone with me. And I can drive for any neighborhood I please. At any hour, and the police don't do what. I leave it alone and fucking flip it I'm a straight white male in America I've got everything I need I'm a guy getting paid more than a girl with a degree And I can walk down the streets after dark No one wants to rape me And I can get a girl pregnant And just as easily flee like my straight white male dad did to me So if I see a penny on the ground I leave it alone and fucking flip it I'm a straight white male in America I've got all the luck I need I've got a pile of broken mirrors And I'm walking under ladders And I'm spilling tons of salt But to me that doesn't matter Cause my skin and my gender and my orientation Are the best things to have if you live in this nation I recommend it highly So if I see a penny on the ground I leave it alone and fucking flip it I'm a straight white male in America I've got all the luck I need Shit's gonna work out for me Cause I'm a straight white male in America I've got all the luck I need Hey everybody, welcome to the Intellectual Dollar Tree. We do the show live every Wednesday at 7pm Pacific right here on Twitch. That's twitch.tv slash echoplexmedia. Um, usually I have co-host or two here, usually just one. It's HK, but HK is on Adventures. So it'll be me tonight, Homo Alono. Shout out to the chat room. Hi to everybody listening to the podcast. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, make sure you follow the podcast or maybe listen for a while and decide you don't want to. This is the most annoying show on Echoplex Media. Also the most popular, the only one of our shows we put out as a podcast that actually charts. Uh, thanks to Professor Q for sending me some uh, detailed information on uh, how we're charting and how we're doing according to one podcast metric system. The metrics were different than the metric system that the podcast metrics system that we use. So it's kind of interesting. I wonder how the, these different services collect their information. Um, just real quick, check out our blog, the defamation times. There's an article up there about Aaron Smith Levin. It is uh, not kind to Aaron Smith Levin. And I have been kicked out of about a dozen anti-Scientology spaces because I uh, had the temerity to write an article that was critical of uh, Aaron Smith Levin. So if you want to go check the article out, and uh, I don't know, see if maybe I was unfair. I mean, the fucking name of my blog is the Defamation Times, but I, I brought the receipts. I brought the receipts, and I think the article is quite good. 
Um, we have, do have something on the intellectual dollar tree docket of Aaron Smith Levin on the Lex show. We may watch that later tonight. We may not just kind of depends on how it goes. So what we're going to do this week is we're going to go back You're going to go back into time. We're going to go back one year, like almost exactly a year. <laughs> and these are probably the most annoying people in the world. This is on the Dave Rubin show. And we have Gad sad. We have Peter Bogosian and we have likely rapist, Michael Shermer. So, uh, this is the IDW autopsy. Let's go. All right. We are live on the YouTube. I'm still Dave Rubin and it's time for another Friday panel extravaganza. I'm actually super excited for today's show. We are doing an intellectual dark web, an IDW reunion, but is it a funeral or a comeback? But like none of the people in this, except for Shermer, stood in front of the fucking plant. Joining me, our founder- Remember those pictures of the people standing in front of the plant? Only one of these people got to stand in front of the plant. Of giving the devil his due, Michael Shermer, evolutionary behavioral scientist and author of The Parasitic Mind, Gad Sad and philosopher and author of How to Have Impossible Conversations, Peter Bogosian, fellas, you're all back on the Rubin Report. How you doing? Great. <laughs> Never been better. <laughs> well, why? What have you heard? Yeah. <laughs> oh, they got jokes. Well, the world is falling apart. That's why I wanted to talk to you all, guys. Oh, yes. T talk There's to you that. guys. There is uh, that. But Pete, I'll start with you because you've never been better. So before we get to anything else, you, you kind of broke some news over the last couple of weeks. You left your job at Portland State. You had been screaming for a couple of years about what was going on there and more broadly in the academic uh, sphere. And you just uh, decided to move on. You want to just catch I us did. up? I oh, now he claims he was fired, though. He claims he was canceled. This is one of those cases where this guy quit, right? And he quit. He was like, oh, there's a problem with academic freedom. Well, after we, he quit, it turns out he was an asshole. He was like, it wasn't about his ideas. The reason that, that he was under pressure at uh, Portland State University was because of the way he was treating other faculty, other staff, and the fucking students. That's why he was under pressure. It wasn't about like the things he was saying or the things he thought like publicly. It was literally mostly about his behavior as an employee. One of these things I don't like is that when somebody's a pref professor, all of a sudden we, some certain kinds of people, not me, not us, I don't think, but certain kinds of people will now like think that they're not, they shouldn't be held to standards of uh, workplace behavior like other people should, right? Like if you work in customer service and you're, you don't have enough flair, you get fired. But there's people who, and people probably think that's fine, right? A lot of people, but those same people who think that's fine probably think it's okay for a professor uh, to be like abusive and shitty to the people they work with because academic freedom uh, drives me fucking nuts enough i couldn't take it anymore it was an ideology mill and i actually want to take this opportunity to thank our the ideology of like don't be a massive piece of shit to the people you work with i'm um I know Gad's a very good friend of mine. Michael's a very close friend of mine. Dave, you're a very close friend of mine. And you were all so supportive of me in that time. And so I'm really appreciative. But I just couldn't take it anymore. I, it was just so, it was, it really truly was an indoctrination mill. 
And I left with my integrity intact. I fought as hard as I could. You did not. Everything like, I mean, to the extent that your integrity was intact before you left, sure. I could, but in, in the end, it was just better for me to leave. All right, so you know what, before we get to, to the IDW stuff, since all three of you have worked and do work at different times on college campuses, Gad, uh, you're up in Canada, which has its own set of problems. What's going on at the university level there? Is it, is it still in the same sort of meltdown feeling that we have here? I mean, it is in that uh, I was just complaining. I was lamenting to my wife that whenever I look at the emails that I receive that are university related, I, I, I'm not joking if I told you that probably 20, 30 percent are going to be related to woke related issues. And mm -hmm. so it's you, you almost feel like you're in a bizarro world where all you talk about Do you mean like from HR. Like there's new guidance on how to uh, this guy's probably also like the worst motherfucker in the world to work work with. Right. Indigenous I haven't heard anything about him, but that I guarantee this guy's an asshole to like cleaning staff at the university. hundred percent. BIPOC that for those of you who don't know the BIPOC acronym, black indigenous people of color. Uh -huh. So it's just grievance, 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 self-flagellation. And it, you know, you, I, I long for the day where I receive an email that's talking about some, you know, wonderful intellectual pursuit that the university is engaging in. Nobody, nobody sends you those emails. If those things are happening, the rest of the people at the university are probably like, "Hey, don't don't send any of that shit to Professor Sad, please. We don't want him. We don't we don't want him in on this conversation." That's what I'm guessing. If I had to guess, if, I'm just wagering a guess here. Regrettably, these are not coming very often. Michael, you're over at uh, Chapman, which is here in crazy California, but I think it's been a little <laughs> bit better over there on the free speech side of things. Is that is that fair to say? Yeah, no, our president, uh, Danielle Troop is pretty friendly to um, the kinds of ideas we talk about in the IDW and in our shows and so forth. Very uh, pro-free speech. But, of course, he only has so much control. He has a board, and, you know, we just hired a, a dean of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And uh, for the life of me, I can't figure out what he's going to do because Chapman is one of the most uh, students, so, you know, just incredibly liberal, tolerant, open to diversity. But the diversity, equity, and inclusion isn't just about like are the students liberal and tolerant. It for the, the university, it might be like, what does the faculty look like? Like what does the back office look like? Is there is there is there a diverse staff here? Like it's not just are the students liberal? Well, yeah, it's a college in California. I think it's in LA actually. Diversity, equity, and inclusion, they are super inclusive. So I'm not sure what the, the problem to be solved there is, but he, he's just following along with what everybody else in the country is doing, not just in academia, but in corporate America, of hiring people to ferret out every last fraction, minute, tiny little bit of bigotry, racism, misogyny, et cetera, even if maybe it doesn't even exist, just something that's adjacent to bigotry, racism. What is adjacent to bigotry and racism? Misogyny and yeah, oh, homophobia. Uh, you know, that's kind of a common trend. If you walk around college campuses, you don't see um, 
you know, just kind of a nonstop um, protests and, and, and the breaking of Starbucks windows and things like that. Uh, you know, there's a certain amount of the availability. But that's not happening anywhere. When, you know, if you just watch Tucker Carlson and his, you know, great campus craziness weekly segments, uh-huh. it looks like, you know, that colleges have, have completely melted down. And if you go to campuses, you just don't see this. Most students are just holed up in their dorms and they're hanging out at the, at the Starbucks or whatever, and there's not much happening at all. Uh, but nevertheless, the the you know a small percentage of activists. Whoa, Shermer with uh, the fairly reasonable take. Emotions can seemingly take over uh, the uh, you know the conversation that way, and so that's you know that's still a problem. We have to you know we have to still stay on top of it. And uh, I keep thinking the pendulum's going to swing the other way. I, my wife and I have had these conversations. We have a five-year-old, and he just started kindergarten. And we are worried about critical race theory and uh-huh. wokeism and all the gender. Well, shit, they're going to teach your five-year-old critical race theory. Schools. And my wife's from Germany, uh, six, seven years here now, and, and she's been very worried about this. And I keep telling her every few months, this is going to swing around the other way. I am I remember seeing these things go on for decades, and it goes back and forth. It's going to be fine. And she keeps asking me, when's that pendulum going to start swinging the other way? Because it looks like it's going the wrong direction. Yeah, I'm well, afraid well she's speaking, right. of, speaking of the pendulum, I mean, that's sort of what put us all on the map in a bigger way about four or five years ago when the intellectual dark web thing kind of came together and it was sort of they didn't let you stand in front of the plant dave an accident and it was the the name idw which came from eric weinstein was kind of a joke it was sort of you know kind of tongue-in-cheek but it was basically all four of us were part of this group of people who were on podcasts no no nope they only let michael Shermer stand in front of the plant dave the other the other three of you that's how i decide who the idw is who got to stand in front of the plant YouTube shows and Joe Rogan and obviously in my garage is kind of where it started where we were just talking about stuff and we were talking about existential stuff and we were talking about political stuff and philosophical stuff. Dave, what does existential mean? Religious stuff and all of this without hating each other. Um, flash forward. But you all agree on everything mostly. Like all of the things that we were warning about have gotten significantly worse. Um, did we kind of fail in a way? I mean, I hate to say it, but in some respect, did we? Was there any chance we could have stopped any of this, Gad? Uh, I don't think we failed. I mean, uh, you could only deliver the message and if people decide to not heed your warning, it's kind of like saying, uh, if I'm a physician and I keep warning people that you should not live a sedentary life and you should exercise and you should not eat French fries three times a day and they still do it, well then, you know, is, is it on me that they developed heart disease and diabetes? So I think we've done our part. I sleep well at night knowing that uh, whenever I have the opportunity to contribute to the battle of ideas, I'm certainly doing my part. Each of us here. Well, you certainly are, Gad. You've been you've been aggressively unfunny, and you've been playing, been doing such a good job for my side of this battle of ideas, Gad. Good job, everybody. Everybody, round of applause for uh, Gad. Sad, been losing in the marketplace of ideas for the IDW team since the IDW team started. Thank you, Gad. Thank you so much, Uh, I do think, though, like what Michael was saying earlier about the pendulum swinging, I do think that at some point it will start to swing. And I don't think it will take as long as people might think for things to autocorrect. I think the problem remains that the silent majority, and I'm sure you all receive thousands of emails, uh, is completely on board with our ideas. The problem is to get them to activate their their intestinal fortitude, if not testicular fortitude, (laughs) 
to guts and balls. He said guts and balls, but it's funnier to say guts and balls than intestinal fortitude and testicular fortitude. Say guts and balls, dude. Speak out. Once guts and balls, I think the whole ship can be redressed very quickly. So I remain very optimistic. Pete, I mean, you left your job, so it's not like you didn't put your career on the line because... Wait, no, no, no. You're, putting your career on the line isn't when you just leave your job because you're mad that they want you to obey the rules of conduct at your university. Are you as hopeful on the pendulum thing? I'm still not sure. I mean, we've all been saying, oh, it'll correct at some point. You know, they'll come to the real world, these kids, and the re- real world will show them what's what. But that pendulum seems like it's breaking off one end and just going. But I, I mean, I guess it could yeah. come around in that case. Well, no, if it breaks off, it doesn't come. Dave's an idiot. If the pendulum breaks, it just goes this way and then falls. It just goes. Pew. If, if the pendulum breaks, it doesn't like it's not a boomerang. I don't know. Maybe the pendulum has a boomerang at the end. Whatever. Dave Rubin is an idiot. For all this. There's no question that it's gotten significantly worse. It gets worse month by month. And I'm like, Michael, I keep expecting some kind of a correction. And then more instances of craziness come out and more crisis of confidence in the system. You know, Michael mentioned the diversity. Wait a minute. Look at that guy's house. That guy quit his job because he could. Look at this house. I think this is in Portland. I don't think it's that big, but this is a nice fucking place. My God. I think the key thing career online get the fuck out of here those are offices in search of tasks and it's not uh whether or not racism occurred it's how racism occurred so you have yes because yes because nested with- we have to accept that these institutions have behaved in a racist manner even if they just stopped behaving in that racist manner yesterday which is stupid like why would you think that it's still be fucking worthwhile to figure out how that shit happened and how we can fucking work to prevent it and like, not for nothing, I bet these these institutions are pro- probably trying to find the way to work to prevent this stuff without fucking making everybody's life miserable in the process. I would assume that would be part of the thought process. But the problem is these guys, I don't think Peter Bogosian, I, okay, I think Dave Rubin is racist. I think Peter Bogosian is racist. I don't think Michael Shermer thinks he's racist, but I think he's probably racist. And funny enough, I don't really think Gadzad's racist at all. I think he's just an idiot within these academic bodies and institutions, the constant perennial search, uh, search for any kind of racism, even if it doesn't exist. I, but, I sir, if you're at the university, they don't have to look very far for the racism. My God. Here's what I know. I'm very confident that this ideology is not sustainable. I'm extremely confident about that. What I don't know is when the expiration date is and what damage it will It's so more. crazy the way these people talk about ideas and ideology. Like, what does he mean this ideology isn't sustainable? Don't people generally think something different than they thought 50 years ago? Like, or sometimes dramatically different than what they thought 50 years ago. Isn't that always the case? So, like, I guess, like, yeah, no particular ideology way of living or, like, set of cultural norms is going to fucking stand the test of time because they always keep changing. Like, usually just incrementally better for most people most of the time in some places (laughs) but not it no no ideology just sits oh this is the ideology now we're stuck with it forever what the the way they talk about this stuff is so it's so like detached from reality and from like the history of the planet or the history of the humans because we're not there's the whole rest of the history of the planet that doesn't have anything to do with us along the way because it has taken a considerable toll 
I don't I don't know, uh, but I will admit fully that even I am surprised that it keeps getting worse and worse and worse. Michael, can, can you I mentioned uh, uh, Gad. Go ahead, and then I want to throw it to Michael. I was just going to say. I mean, there are real consequences beyond sort of the the, the typical <laughs> stuff that we talk about about this. You know, all of these parasitic ideas infiltrating infiltrating the university. So, I'll give which you a, parasitic a ideas? See, like he's. I think he's just along for the ride. I think this guy thinks he's like an interesting contrarian snarky guy. So whatever whatever kind of contrarian things going on, I think this guy's going to jump on it, and I think he thinks he's funny. But I think this guy's just along for the ride. Like, I don't think if you asked him, what are the parasitic ideas that you're talking about? I don't think this guy'd have an answer for you. He'd be like, you know what they said over here. See, I'm a satirist. For example, from my personal life, it is not impossible for you to apply for a scientific grant if you don't have a die statement, a diversity mm -hmm. include equity statement. Oh, this shit is stupid because you boilerplate that shit. You don't write it every time. You go, hey, uh... Sarah, Sarah's the head of the department. Maybe you, maybe you call her, you know, Dr. Griffin or whatever her last name is. I don't know. It depends on your relationship and how kind of casual things are, I guess, in your department. You go, hey, I need a diversity and inclusion statement and I've never had to write one before. What's that about? And, and she looks at you and she goes, email such and such a person and request form, you know, 132B. And then they send you your diversity and inclusion statement and you fucking go control V, control V. You put that into your fucking grant application you fucking idiot. And I know many people, uh, some who are, you know, very principled people who said that I am going to refrain from applying for a grant because I am so vehemently against participating in this, you know, die statement BS. And it's, I, I don't want to, like, my God, I just don't want to, you know, I really want the job, but they're asking me for, they don't just want my LinkedIn. They want, they want a cover letter. They want a cover letter. They want, they want me to write something that I don't want to write. Wah, wah. Like, imagine this. Imagine if somebody's like, okay, well, it's fine. I'll work at Old Navy, but, you know, I'll fold the stocks and everything. But I just don't like pants. I don't like touching anything kind of near where somebody's crotch might be. I just, I can't, I'm vehemently against that. Well, guess what? You get fired from Old Navy because they're like, you're, you can't do this job because you're afraid of pants crotch. Like this. Like the apply like what he's saying to like any other profession besides like being a professor and think of how fucking quick you're how quick you're cleaning out your desk at any other job. Well, those are real consequences, right? I'm not saying that every single research program is a cure for cancer, but someone is deciding that after all of the training in their life, they'd rather not participate in the research in endeavor. Because these are fucking piss babies. What do you mean? If these people are piss babies. Be complicit in playing these uh, woke games, and so these are. No, no, no. Are you, like, fuck that, really I, I can't imagine. Is there anybody here who's ever had to do a diversity and inclusion statement? I don't usually talk to chat during the podcast part of the show, and if maybe if you're listening to the podcast and you've ever had to do a diversity and inclusion statement for like a university or for even just any big organization, did you have to like handwrite that shit in a calligraphy pen and sign it sincerely, Bob? Because I don't think that's how this works. I think you literally, I think you just get one from the university. We have to resolve them as soon as possible. Yeah, and of course, Gad, in that regard, I mean, your history of growing up in Lebanon during a war and being a refugee that eventually made it to Canada, you don't count in any of that diversity. Wait, no, Dave Rubin just wrote Gad Sad's diversity and inclusion statement for him. Nobody on the panel knows this. 
check this out. This is this is this should be the intro to Gad Zad's diversity and inclusion statement. Yeah, and of course, Gad. In that regard, I mean, your history of growing up in Lebanon during a war and being a refugee that eventually made it to Canada. You don't count in any of that diversity stuff. You're that, that, no, that's literally the beginning of Gad Zad's diversity and inclusion statement. You fucking idiots. Because you're up in Canada right now, your tan is real low. If you were in SoCal, you were a little darker. Maybe, maybe you get some credit. But Michael, you mentioned you have a five-year-old, and just before we started this, uh, here in California, you're in California as well. Uh, they are now announcing. Uh, Newsom has just announced uh, vaccine mandates for all kids at school from grades seven to twelve, and they're recommending it for for five-year-olds uh, to I think what was it five and up. Um, how do you feel about that sort of specifically for your child, but also more broadly that the government is just saying who has to be injected with what, when, while it seems at least to me pretty unclear. Oh, this is early on. I don't remember where Sher Shermer's now like full on like, well, I think the anti-vaxxers have a good point, but I don't know where he was at a year ago, actually. Whether any of this stuff is working as promised. Yeah, I would. I'm not going to get my five-year-old vaccinated at this point. Um, oh. you know, there, as far as I know from the science, you know, he's in well, the lowest risk cohort them. there is. Well, we found a essentially a homeschool Montessori school in Santa Barbara here that's independent. And no, this guy's homeschooling. Oh God. Oh no, this kid doesn't have a chance. <laughs> kid, I'm sorry. This kid doesn't have a chance. A Montessori homeschool. This kid doesn't have a chance. Oh. And they there's no masks and you know going to homeschool. It's it's a small school, but um, Oh. Uh, I thought he meant like homeschooling. So, you know, it's one thing to recommend, it's another thing to mandate. Um, I certainly would be against the latter. Um, it, particularly in in cohorts like this where it's not uh, well known what the effects might be on a 5-year-old, 7-year-old, whatever. Uh, certainly older adults and you know my wife and I are both vaccinated, double vaxxed and you know we 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 wear our masks where we have to here in Santa Barbara where it's required. Uh, you know, I don't want to be that guy that draws the line in the sand like that guy last week and uh, I think it was an American Airlines flight he decided he he had had enough with masks at 35,000 feet up and mm -hmm. stood up in the middle of the of the island confronted the flight attendant like this is his moment well you know he's in jail now so I don't ah. be that guy well, like um, this like you know, I, I do think Michael Shermer used to seem cool and he would say stuff like that all the time but fucking I'm telling like you the masks, that, at least the, the so what happens with a lot of these guys and if you look at David Silverman from amazing uh, from the uh, American atheist it happened to him too so, like, what happens to people sometimes is they get accused of some kind of sexual assault or um, even just sexual harassment, and then they go running, they get mad, and then the convenient thing for them to do is to blame woke, whether or not they even did what what they're accused of. And I think the the allegations about Shermer and uh, David Silverman, I think they they seem credible to me, um, but both of them did the same thing. They both went running to like the manosphere and, and you know, eventually after you ran to the manosphere, the next place you're going to run is the fucking IDW. Right. But I don't think they wanted David's. They, I, I think they stayed away from David Silverman because his shit was like way fresher. And also he was like, just saying like David Silverman was not blowing any dog whistles. Masks that most of us wear, uh, M, you know, the M95 masks. Is that right? M M95? Anyway, the 95 masks, yeah, they the seem N95. to work much, That's much a little better. stronger than the flimsy one, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. They seem to make a difference. But for, you know, just in terms of who's most at risk, you know, children are the least at risk for both getting the COVID and, and the effects of it on their body. So um, it, it seems weird that that has become the emphasis now. There was uh, a meme going around the other day uh, of showing, you know, three panels. The top panel was the U.S. Open audience, you know, 15,000 people packed in there, no masks. Yep. And then an NFL game, you know, 50,000 people packed in, no masks. And then school children, here they are, socially distanced, de- desks are six feet apart, and they're all masked up. You know, the least uh, risk uh, what the fuck? Um, I guess it, that's what passes for a fun. Okay, if Shermer's a, uh, right here. Shermer became a boomer. Only a boomer would explain a meme to you. It's the. I think it's the inconsistency, the hypocrisy of of uh, government officials and mandates and recommendations that bothers people the most. You know, there's multiple reasons for for vaccine hesitancy, but that's one of them. And particularly here in California, you know, as you know, Newsom hasn't been very uh, consistent <laughs> to say the least, yeah. and and at least uh, hypocritical. That I think it drives people away from listening at all. To, so Pete, Pete, what do we uh, what do we do with that then? Because that's what I'm struggling with more than anything else. I would like to trust the experts. I really would. I would like to. Well, trust Dave, the like, I, what do you mean? I, that's like, I want to believe in aliens. It's like Fox Mulder. He's like, I want to trust. At some level, I'd like to trust the government people. I really would. Uh, but to me, they have failed at virtually every well, level, period. The fact if you just wait until like any like institution does exactly what you want to trust them, then you're never going to trust any institutions. Emails where he's telling his friends don't wear masks when they're on vacation while he's telling everyone else to wear masks. Then he's telling people, oh, no, don't wear a mask because you touch your face more. Then he's telling people to double mask. If, uh, you know, Newsom. No, 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 no. Okay, we touch your face more was when we thought it was being spread on surfaces. What's what's missing from this whole discussion is that when it when the virus was brand new, man, fucking nobody knew shit about it. We figured it was likely airborne, but we didn't know if it was like on surfaces. People were fucking, remember you'd go anywhere if you went to like fucking anywhere. Everybody was wiping everything down and shit constantly. Do you remember that? People didn't know. They weren't, they weren't, they weren't sure. So yeah, they were like, well, maybe the mat, oh, you touch your face more and then your hands are everywhere. First going to French Laundry with lobbyists while he's locking the rest of us down. That the trusted class, the trusted class has basically been obliterated. What do we do with that? That's the problem. It's also the perception of hypocrisy. I I just want to go back to something Michael said. I'm very surprised to hear that you did not vaccinate your five-year-old. So so what's the reason for that? Is that lack of insufficient longitudinal studies or or what lack of insufficient what is what is lack of ins- these oh you're trying too hard bogo you're trying too hard well yeah exactly uh, i mean this the recommendations that dave was talking about you know they, they just came down what yesterday what here we today, are october 1st today. i think it was september today yeah it, you know so <laughs> well then if you I mean, haven't vaccinated your five-year-old kid yet it wasn't even recommended that you do so until like yesterday a year ago so yeah, why would you if it wasn't recommended? Why would you even? Yeah, why would you do it? There you go. So he has infected. Oh, this is crazy. This is absolutely crazy. Nobody vaccinated their five-year-old by this point. Only wait and see. I mean, we, we you know we are very isolated here where we live. The school is small. You know, the chances of him being exposed at all are very slim. And I just want to see what the risks are of the vaccine itself on children. We just don't know. I mean, it's it's too preliminary. But like, 
50-50, this guy's got an appointment the next week or two to vaccinate his five-year-old, right? Like, at this point, because, again, like, what they what he just said is that it wasn't even recommended to vaccinate your five-year-old until the day before they recorded this. And he's like, oh, I haven't had my five-year-old vaccinated. It's like, all right, dude, cool. That's almost everyone at this point. You can't all go the first day. But, but not but, only is it preliminary, there's just no evidence that five-year-olds are getting COVID all over the place and spreading it to each other and spreading it to their parents and the teachers we know are vaccinated. And in most cases, the parents are. That, that's what I'm concerned about, that nothing is making sense anymore. Can I, I can maybe jump in? Uh, can somebody explain, would somebody, is anybody on here going to explain that the reason vaccinations work is because everyone has them and that's how a vaccine works? You know, one of the areas that I study in my scientific work is uh, psychology of decision making, right? And if you want to talk about someone is rational or irrational, there are certain axioms that you look for. So, for example, if I prefer car A to car B and I prefer car B to car C, I must prefer car A to car C. If I don't do that, I'm being intransitive. I'm being mm -hmm. irrational. Well, when I see, so to, to build on what Michael was saying. Wait, I, no, wait, no, you could be like, I. why would it be irrational if, if you like car A more than car B? But then what if for some reason, and you like car B more than you like car C, what if for some reason when you compare car A and car C, you actually prefer car C? Because this is like, his example was really bad because it's like a subjective thing. Like, do you like this car? see the haphazard nature of how these edicts come down from above when i see the inconsistencies when i see as several people have mentioned the hypocrisy it's not you don't have to be an anti-vaxxer you don't have to be an anti-science person to then build hesitancy towards the vaccine if only because it all seems so irrational so hypocritical so like what did they, like but what did they expect people how did they expect everyone everyone from the individual to massive institutions to behave in the immediate in the time immediately after we discovered there was a virus that looked like it was very likely to be a pandemic that had a, a you know two or three percent rate of like it killing people like what was everybody everybody just supposed to wait and see was everybody supposed to be like hyper rational or is it like reasonable to believe that people and institutions are going to actually freak out like that they're going to they're going to get shit wrong and they're going to get shit wrong and think they have a high degree of certainty about it. They're going to fucking give you bad information, not because they don't not because they have the good information and they're like, but because all they have is bad information. Like it's not going to go well, <laughs> especially in the United States. Like how about other countries? They were like, oh, we have to do these things. And they mostly did those things and they did hella better than us. We were we like tried to sense make about that shit. Your pants type of policy making. I'll be right so back. I, I need another if, energy if drink. We were able to do a better job at truly having a dialogue about these issues, which of course we can't because then we'll be censored. And so it becomes a catch 22 situation. So people are walking around with a great sense of frustration because they truly feel that they are living in a authoritarian period. And that's not good for anyone. So, Michael, as a guy that's, uh, you know, made a living being a skeptic, I mean, are you sort of concerned that the idea of skepticism is just disappearing? I either people are just checking out. They're like, oh, I don't believe any of this and then going down whatever rabbit hole. Oh, no. Or they've just decided they're not going to pay attention to anything or they're just going to make whatever decision is based on their whim because uh, you feel like you're going to get banned if you if you don't go along with, you know. Banned from what? line. 
Yeah, that's right. We just did an issue of Skeptic on on this very topic with Steve Pinker on our cover. Oh, God. We're living in a post-truth era. Uh, well, for starters, if you just asking the question. Post-truth, like, like, like how he claims not to have been a very good friend of Jeff Epstein's through after the first trial, which he was clearly aware of. Uh, you could find that out yourself. What do you mean, man? People that argue we're living in a post-truth era are making an argument, which means they're not living in a post-truth era. They still think reason and arguments matter. Uh, that said, I think part of the problem is, in addition to the normal cognitive biases that we're familiar with, the confirmation bias and the hindsight bias and 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 availability heuristic and 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 uh, the anchoring effect and things like that. Uh, the my side bias, I think, has gotten much worse in the last, well, since the 2016 election. Things have become so much more polarized that people evaluate evidence based on whether it supports their side or not, usually politically. This used to be more prominent in religion, whether it supports Wait, your no, 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 uh, this, guy's, now, this guy's so stupid. Um, it's more politics, and worse, not not just on the right, of course, the, the Trump effect, but also on the left. I mean, wokeism and progressivism and, and anti-racism, these are all uh, you know, faux religion, <laughs> anti-racism and woke as these are all faux religious. John McWhorter and Pete, I think you were even ahead of John at, mm -hmm. in making that analogy that it's like a religion. You know, we're we're all born in original sin uh, of being uh, subconsciously racist and bigoted and misogynist and so on. And and the only way to atone for it is, you know, is to uh, basically castrate yourself. I think you talk about this. Like, Whoa, dude, this is weird. Also, like, I think that they're the ones projecting. Like, you, you could project like the the story of like original sin or whatever, you could kind of project that onto anything, any problem you're trying to solve really be like, my car has the original sin of it needs an oil change. The oil's old. It's original sin. I need to cleanse my car of the old oil, put the new oil in. So you, so you can do it with any problem. You can apply that. You can apply that sort of very basic and simple story to any set of problems. And just depending on, uh, whether or not it's like really a good comparison, it depends on how stupid it is. Because it's always pretty stupid, I think, to do that. In your book, um, you had that uh, that word, that castrato, I think, of people. <laughs> anyway, uh, you know, I, I think that my side bias um, is so strong now that it, it taints all uh, evaluations of evidence claimed in the media. So we don't really trust the media. And mm -hmm. back to the IDW, one of the reasons for that um, I think uh, movement start in any way was just pushing back against uh, a, a, a mainstream media or a legacy media. Uh, you know, if we can't trust them, who can we trust? Well, we just have to start our own systems. Mm -hmm. And uh, and but like the main the mainstream media is generally they're pretty generally right. They generally get things correct. That's they just do. Like your local paper usually gets it right. The New York Times usually gets it right. Like when they're doing like when we're talking about legacy media, I think we're talking we're like ABC, NBC, CBS News. They generally get it right. Cable news is like a twenty four hour news and entertainment cyclone. So um, I don't know. Maybe he includes them in legacy media, and then it gets a little fuzzier. But it, including them in legacy media doesn't get rid of your local paper, you know. And of course, that has its own fraughtness because there's, you know, a lot of most podcasters and bloggers don't have fact checkers and editors. And, you know, so that's problematic also. 
but nevertheless, it's it's a Who, trust me? issue. It's a my side bias. Somebody in chat was like, "I'm going to have to have you look at the camera. Looking, having your eyes off to the side doesn't make you seem believable." I hope they weren't talking about me because everybody knows I never look at the camera. Oh no, the podcast listeners have no idea that I never look at the camera. Podcast listeners, come on over to Twitch, Twitch.tv/EchoplexMedia. Affecting most of our thinking on this. So, Pete, with that in mind, since you wrote a book about having impossible conversations, I think I've discussed this all with you all separately. But my thinking at this point is that at the end of a purely secular society that only is based on enlightenment values and, and sort of the, the Pinker ideology that the you Steven Pinker ideology, that's that includes like race and IQ pseudoscience going to get this crazy sort of nothing is true. Men or women, three point five trillion equals zero. That if it's Wait, just what? It, okay, I know the men or women is transphobia. What does three point five trillion equals zero mean? Only based on logic and reason, you ironically get the most illogical and irrational world, which sort of seems what we're yeah. ushering in. I know I'm speaking to three atheists. I think, Ed, you, you're still considered an atheist, but we'll get to that in a sec. But Pete, what do you think about that? That oh, they're all going to leave atheism except for Shermer. there. Yeah, I think it's false, and I'll tell you why. It's the societies that don't do well, they don't, as Michael's book, bend the moral arc toward justice for Martin Luther King. Societies that don't do those. From Michael's book, actually, no, from Martin Luther King. And Michael weird. is correct about the parallels between wokeism and traditional religion and the structures that they use, like blasphemy laws and political correctness to keep beliefs in place. Wait, so, wait no, a blasphemy law is like a lot, like, He's like, oh, you know, like a blasphemy law or political correctness. Well, those are two. Those are two very different things. Political correctness is don't say the N word at dinner or we won't invite you to dinner again. Uh, blasphemy laws are here is the government to arrest you because you blasphemed. Like those are very different things. The societies when they become and and it's, i'm thinking of you know the civil rights act or i'm thinking of even birth control for women uh, americans disabilities act those have come about precisely because we've become more rational and more evidence-based and so i <laughs> he's like i like all the old things that we did that uh that, that were considered progressive at the time but any of the new stuff i don't, I don't know about that it's like not liking a band's new material it's weird I'm, my guess is that Gad and, and Michael do as well, that you can rationally drive. You can basically sit down and, and think about what kind of life you ought to lead and what's the best type of life and that there are correct answers to that question. Those That gets back to Socrates and, and the Republic. He talks about that quite a bit. And so the, the question is, how do we come together to make those lives where we can all flourish? The problem in which we have now, and then I'll relate it to the IDW in a moment, is that we are unwilling or unable to have conversations with people because everyone is looking at different tribes as an existential. I think literally everyone on the screen, like everyone on this call has blocked me on Twitter. Right. Oh, and Steven Pinker, who they just casually mentioned, blocked me on Twitter. So how do we, how do, we do that, especially when our university system writ large really doesn't encourage those kinds of conversations. For example, why isn't there a conversation between leaders in the BLM movement and police tactics, people who actually teach police tactics? I recommended that to someone and they said, what are you effing crazy? We could never do that. So well, who did you recommend it to? Or was it the cops? We're not also like BLM. They're not, they're not experts on like police. They're no, no, no. They're fucking organizations <clears throat> that have been working on, police violence for a very long time. BLM is not that organization. 
he's like, this is a, I, these people just think, oh, if everybody just had a conversation, then everything would be fine. And it's like, well, no. In that behavior model for them. And I think one of the original, the freshness of the IDW was that people really were having those conversations. There were no speech restrictions on those people were engaging each other. And I also think that's one of the reasons why your podcast is so successful and Rogan's is because people are hungry. Aristotle writes about that, that people want to know. All people want to know. I think it's the, the first line of the ethics. And so what do they do? Well, one of the ways they get to know is they, they want to talk to people who have different ideas. They want to challenge themselves. They want to be challenged and challenge others. And if you take that mechanism- But away, that's not like when, like we've watched, we've been watching IDW stuff and listening to it on the pod. We're on like, we're coming, kind of coming up on 200 episodes of the intellectual dollar tree. And we haven't really heard anyone challenge anyone except on occasions where we, where people outside of the IDW, like uh, Jordan Peterson talked to Matt Dillahunty and Matt Dillahunty absolutely fucking made Jordan Peterson look like, you know, Jordan Peterson looks to most people. Um, and then that one time that Ted Koppel interviewed David Miscavige, the leader of Scientology, there was like a good back and forth. I think we covered um, Ezra Klein and Sam Harris, and there was like a there was like ideas that were in contra contradiction to each other or in con uh, in conflict with one another being exchanged. But Dave Rubin talking to Gad Sad, are they going to fucking be have ideas that are in conflict get exchanged? Absolutely not. It's all like glad handing and aren't you glad we're able to have this conversation? Oh boy, we sure are having a conversation, aren't we? What happens? Well, nothing good happens. Right, and by the way, Pete, I, I actually agree with your premise there, except that here we are in this place right now. So I yeah. agree that I would prefer that a society do it. And I think when times are good, America had 200 years of furthering, right. of, of liberalizing in the true sense to get to equality, but now it's- <laughs> So after fucking 1970, it was all gravy up to 1976, baby. Oh my God. There was still redlining in 1976. The hyper secularization uh -huh. or something but has jumped the gun on that. Go ahead and then I want to throw it to Gad. Real, real quick. So the, here we are. The, the reason we're here is not because we've eschewed religion. It's because we've adopted, we've become religious. We've become religious in a new religion, in, in, in wokeism. And we've adopted a similar architecture and similar structures to, to traditional religions. That's why we're here, is that we've abnegated basic principles of reason, dialectic, discourse. Tell us what is, these people use the, I guarantee you this guy, if you were like, what is dialectic? He would probably tell you about the Hegelian dialectic <laughs> because that's all these people all know about that, but he wouldn't be able to tell you what dialectic is. And to be perfectly honest, I probably couldn't define it to you right now either. Like I'd have to look it up actually what it means. I kind of know what it means, but I don't know what it means to explain it to somebody else. Um, but I don't use it. It's not a word I just use in my smarty pants conversations with Dave Rubin conversation, counterexamples, belief revision, all of the necessary constituents of rationality. So Gad, even the attitude. Yeah. So Gad, is that is that sort of proof of what your last book was about, the parasitic mind, that the parasite got in and, and my argument is that the, the rationalization world, the rational world just wasn't strong enough. So here we are. Um, but the parasite but like who there who who that's on this page I'm from the I I'm, I'd like to think that I'm like somewhat rational. These people, like that, these are the, all the people who fucking jumped the shark.
Like, except for Gad Sad, I think he was always just annoying. I don't know. I don't remember. These people all, everybody here just jumped the shark. I got in one way or another. And, and so I, I'll link your question to what you were mentioning earlier about the IDW. I think what my book shows is not only that uh, the idea pathogens that I, you know, enumerate in my book all stem from professors, but the members of the IDW, without mentioning any, that you would think are all committed to truth, to the you know intellectual diversity, to the scientific method, they too can be parasitized uh, by various idea pathogens. And that's been my biggest disappointment. And that's why I so like to- what he's saying is, I, I swear to you, he, what he just said is people think things I don't agree with. I swear to you, that's what he just said. He's like, oh, people you like, people you would think are insusceptible to this. They too will say things that I don't like sometimes. Idea pathogens. It's like a, people hang out here on um, Thursdays. It's like a, like a, like an engram or a body thing to frankly disassociate from some of the folks, because if you are a true intellectual, there has to be a bent towards uh, deontological ethics, right? There are certain things that are absolutely, Oh, these people love deontological or deontology too. And that's stupid. The idea that like you just decide first what's right before, like it's, it's a set of first principles. A lot of libertarians and ANCAPs are, uh, big into deontology. It's like, well, these are my first principles and I won't, I don't want to violate them because my, they're my first principles and they're mine. And I love them. And it's like, well, in this case though, doing what your first principles would, um, indicate we should do gives a bad outcome. Well, it's not a bad outcome for me. It's a bad outcome for them. Don't get me wrong. They'll be like, well, we can, we will bend the rules this time. But it's it's so dumb. ...that you're never going to yield on. So, for example, if you truly believe in freedom of speech, you can't be a consequentialist and say, well, I, of course, I'm a strong believer in freedom of speech, but not when it comes from that for that ogre Trump. If well, that's not a con- that's not. OK, so I'm a consequentialist, almost a pure consequentialist, at least when I like take the time to think about things. I know we all kind of start from our own assumptions. We all have like things we presuppose about the world and that's how we process information. We process it through that shit all the time, but you <sighs> hold on. Let's, 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 let's hear now. believes in presumption of innocence. Then that has to be a deontological position. It's not. Okay. Like- so he's saying like you, he said that like, if you're a consequentialist and you'd be like, I believe in free speech, except for that guy, Trump will know. No, because that's an individual that you're saying shouldn't be able to speak. And no, that's against free speech. I don't even think there's any consequentialist who should just be like, no, actually, he shouldn't be able to speak. But the position of and my position on this is like, and I mean, it's the position of uh, uh, the laws of the United States. Actually, there are things there are things that you do that you are speaking that are like 100 percent going to cause harm or so likely to cause harm to someone or some group of things that this speech is outlawed rico laws it's all about racketeering laws are all about what you say to who and when you say it Uh, murder for hire laws you're just talking to somebody offering them 50 grand to kill somebody and just talking so we are actually we actually do we actually can limit speech and still believe in the idea of free speech Unless you think it should be okay to hire a hire a hitman or whatever, and then I guess like whatever. At least you're consistent in your views. You fucking crazy ass. I believe in in presumption of innocence, but not when it comes to the gang rapist Brett Kavanaugh. Mm-hmm. And so, see, well, no, no, but Brett Kavanaugh. Okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. 
So Brett Kavanaugh was not in a court of law. The presumption of innocence is in the court of law, not the court of public opinion. These types of violation of deontological first principles. But that's, the, people, dude, that's why, that's why we do That's why I don't have deal. I, I mean, I have to have some, but that's why I like, don't argue from them. If I'm going to argue with somebody, I'm not going to argue with, well, my first principle is blah, 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 blah. And I'm just like, well, fucking la di da. You know, my first principle is that people should take acid and fucking dance naked in the woods. It was just like, like, what are we talking about here? Turn into grotesque consequentialist on such important issues. That has been a big disappointment when it comes to certain members of the IDW. Right. So, Gad, you know, I'm, I'm with you on that. If we're going to be quiet when, you know, we're, regardless of what we think about Alex Jones's opinions, if we're all going to be quiet when he's silenced, well, of course, it wasn't going to stop with him. And then if we're going to say thank Jack when Donald Trump. First, they came for Stefan Molyneux and I didn't talk because I'm not a weird incel cult leader. Then they came for Jacob Wall, and I didn't speak up because nobody likes Jacob Wall. Then they came for Sargon of Akkad, and I quit Patreon. <laughs> I mean, like, that's what this is. Come on, man. Trump is banned. We're sort of being inconsistent. Michael, should we have all done a better job on, on that, at least? Should we have all done a better job protecting Alex Jones? People that maybe we didn't like? I don't know. Uh, I think most of us spoke out. I, I was not in favor of banning either Alex Jones or Donald Trump, even though personally I was kind of glad to, to see Alex Jones go because, uh, uh, you know, so so much of his stuff. So are you or are you not? What do you mean personally? Is that, oh, does he mean like in his personal? Oh, he, he may be doing a, like he may be consciously aware that there's a personal self and a public self. And he's saying, oh, my public self here has to say that I was against it. But, you know, personally, ah. Kind of liked it. Fuck Alex Jones. It's see, that crazy. At some point, when it becomes a crime, when he he his actions lead his followers to go to the homes of the parents of the Sandy Hook massacre children, uh, families, and, and and harass them. Well, that's not a free. That's no longer a free speech issue now. You oh, have, Michael Shermer believes in stochastic terrorism. Uh, you know, actual laws being violated there. So you could defend Alex Jones's freedom to have his own platform and and say what he wants but it, you know there are restrictions to free speech that are already built into the laws that we're pretty familiar with libel and slander and mm -hmm. and uh you know you can't you can't just give the nuclear codes to the north koreans of of our nuclear weapons that that's not free speech that's treason you know so these people think there's like just some code that sets off nuclear weapons just type like this 47 digit code into your phone and fucking world war three happens century I want to just add here, I think, um, you know, how bad things are. Well, again, to this my side bias, and there's also a selection bias of what thing, pe what items people want to be skeptical of. And um, so I think of different kinds of truths, like empirical truths, things that we can actually test and know. But then there's political and religious truths, things that are not really knowable in some empirical sense, but people believe them anyway. And I think a lot of political... Um, I think we call those opinions. I'm not an expert. We need to get a linguist. Is that even the right field? I think those are opinions. And religious beliefs are safely parked away from empirical truths. So when people say they believe them, they don't mean believe in the empirical sense. Uh, no, no, no. But you believe things. Ba you believe things based on things, other things that you know, I think. 
or at least sometimes. I don't know. They're not completely disconnected. I was writing about this in my next big book on conspiracies, QAnon. You know, the idea that there's... This guy's QAnon book is going to suck. If there's anybody that shouldn't write a book about QAnon, it's Michael Shermer. He doesn't know anything about it. Skeptic Magazine, his, his United States Skeptic Publication... I think it was like 2022 when they finally published anything about QAnon. Great satanic cult of pedophiles being run by Hillary Clinton and Tom Hanks out of a pizzeria in Washington, D.C. No one no, can possibly. But, but wait, that's Pizzagate. Dude, Michael Shermer probably shouldn't write a book about QAnon because he thinks it's Pizzagate. Don't get me wrong. They're not like Pizzagate and QAnon aren't like these two completely separate things. But he just described Pizzagate. That's. QAnon has like the 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 mole children. They're under the Getty Museum, or that's yeah QAnon. That's the mole children, the Getty Museum, tunnel children. PizzaGate is the pizza place in in um Washington D.C. where they were, where Hillary Clinton was killing babies. Believe that? I mean, one guy did, Edgar <laughs> uh, Edgar Welch. He went there with a gun because that's what you would do. Most people left, uh, you know, like a one star on Yelp for that pizza place, you know. And and one guy wrote that the, that that the pizza was too doughy and it was undercooked. You know, that's not what you do uh, if you think there's an actual pedophile ring going on. You call the police. You go there yourself. But that's uh, not QAnon. He's like, okay, QAnon kind of came out of PizzaGate and they fucking. Like, it's not like there were people who believe in pizza. It's not like it was Pizzagate versus QAnon out there. But this guy, like, doesn't even know. Like, he has no... This guy's going to have This guy's gonna have to read everybody else's QAnon book to write his QAnon book. And then he's just going to plagiarize uh, so that shit. I think shit. most people don't actually believe that. It's a proxy truth for something else. Like, I don't trust Democrats. I hate that Hillary Clinton. So, such that, for example, if I point out there's no basement at the pizzeria, at the at Comet Ping Pong Pizzeria. There's no pedophile ring there, and you and I go there. You're not going to go, oh, in that case, I guess I'll vote for Hillary. You were never going to vote for <laughs> Hillary. So, the, the conspiracy theory is just, it's a stand-in for something else. The uh, And I think a lot of conspiracy theories are like that. They're, they're proxies for something else. But such that when someone like me comes along to debunk the JFK conspiracy or the 9-11 truth conspiracy, it, it, it isn't the debunking that matters. The facts are not relevant. It's, it's, it's standing for something else. Michael, I'm reminded of when we spoke, I think it was at University of Arizona, and I asked if there were any Nazis in the crowd, and a woman in the back mm. raised her hand, and it turned out <laughs> that she was a trans-Nazi. And she asked yeah. you about how, at, I think she was talking about Auschwitz or one of the concentration camps, they didn't have doors, and that proves that the Holocaust right. was a hoax. You calmly explained to her uh, why they had moved things for different reasons. What the fuck? And uh, I'm pretty sure she didn't, uh, you know, turn in her Nazi card after. Right. So I, I think that proves your point. Yeah, that's right. So, that's, you know, Holocaust I mean, I, denial what? is not I, about the fact. I've never heard that. So, I've never heard that. that story before. We're not going to go looking for that on the post game, I don't think. I don't know. If somebody in the chat finds it, maybe we'll watch it on the post game. Somebody on the podcast finds it, emails it to us. Leave a link to it in the one star review that you give for us on Spotify. Uh, uh, you know how many Jews were killed, and and how do we know? And and the and this you know the gas staining on the gas chamber at Maidanik, the blue staining from from the Zyklonby, it's still there. You can go there and see it, uh, and, and on and on. It's not about that. It's it's anti-Semitism. It's about concerns of American uh, support of Israel. It's it that's really what it's about. And they want to. Well, no, it's not. An, you could be very concerned with America's support of Israel, and there's a very low chance that you're going to be a Holocaust denier. <laughs> Like, 
under uh, un- kick under the the foundation of what they think is the foundation of American support for for Israel and and, and Jews is is this you know Holocaust thing. We, we, they're mistaken about that, but that's that's the thought. So, such that if I point out that in fact the reason there's no holes on the ceiling at gas chambers two and three at Auschwitz Birkenau, this is the thing that David yeah. Irvin used to talk about. No no holes, no Holocaust. You know, and you go there and you see well the nazis dynamited the the gas chambers there's no ceiling at all much less holes it's just rubble um you know he irving didn't go oh i see okay in that case there was a holocaust therefore maybe you know the jews this are guy has a really real this like this guy doesn't this. understand i no, mean no. he has his understand i i've we've this guy really doesn't understand conspiracy theories like when he's talking about this he hasn't even brought up what they do for people. He's like, oh, they're proxies for other beliefs. No, conspiracy theories on the internet provide community for people. In the end, that's what they do. That's why fucking, they're like cults of personality in the conspiracy movement. This guy's book is gonna suck. Oh, because it was never about that. <laughs> that's a that's an excuse to, you know, buttress a belief that you hold for other reasons. Are, are you guys sympathetic to the people that get hit with the parasitic ideas or go down with the ra- down the rabbit holes and all of that because I, I actually am quite sympathetic to them. When we see a mainstream media that lies about everything, the Covington kids are racist, Brett Kavanaugh is a serial rapist, Jesse Smollett was lynched, etc. It's, you know, the Russia hoax, everything. I'm very sympathetic to the people that get led down these pathways or, or hit with bad ideas. Um, and I, you know, I want to help them as much as I can. It's why I do my show. But Jesse Smollett, it. like it was um, just a fucking crime that fucking got reported that wasn't a crime what do you mean get hit with these ideas the fucking news got it wrong and then they corrected it like what do you mean i don't blame them in some ways gad well i guess i i would draw the, the distinction when you talk about narcissism you could talk about benign narcissism or you could talk about malignant narcissism right so gad which one are you gad which one are you? i think gad is like malign narcissism no, not malignant. He's benign. Uh, I tried to make one word out of malignant and benign. Did you hear that? Gad Sad is benign narcissism. He's not um, charismatic enough to like really do any damage. When it comes to people who are parasitized by these bad ideas, I guess it depends on whether they're just hapless victims of these ideas that mm-hmm. take a hold of them or whether they become malignant in how they... Uh, react to being infested with these ideas, right? So when when you have someone who is trying to consistently tag your university because you dared criticize uh, Serena Williams because therefore that means you're a racist. What did you criticize Serena Williams for? Pretty good tennis player. I've heard. (laughs) You know what kind of criticisms if Gad was doing and he thought he was being funny. You know, you know, kind of stuff he was saying. Then I don't have any sympathy for them. I think they are a cretinous fool, and uh, I want to go after them. But you're right that in some cases, that you know, if you have a a poor student who is simply being parasitized by a professor because you think that your professor is the purveyor of truth, then I'm a bit more sympathetic towards them, and I try to reach out to these people. That's why I also do what I do. So there is a mix of parasitized people. Oh, you know, you and Peter Bogosian like talking to fucking like college sophomores because they're like 19 or 20. Their brain isn't done developing. And um, they didn't actually want to talk to you. They were just on their way to class and had a few extra minutes. Some are malignant, some are benign. Peter, are we making some headway with these people? 
Yeah, in, in one sense, uh, they're, they're epistemic victims, but in another sense, I really pity them. I mean, how, how horrible to live your life like that. How horrible to base your relationships and your friendships like that. And what's interesting to me, you know, Johnny Depp just came out against cancel culture because he himself, evidently, there were were attempts to cancel him, and so many people, friends of mine, have come. Attempts to was this wasn't this like during the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard trial? Was that Amber Heard? Wasn't this like during the trial? What do you mean attempts to cancel him? I swear to you, this is like right during all that, like a year ago. Is that right, or maybe a little after? But it's never that people, or very rarely is it that people come out against an injustice. Plato talks about that. It's not the fear of doing, but of suffering uh, a wrong that calls forth the reproaches of those who revile injustice. In other words, it's always when these things happen to you that you then speak out against them, but you don't speak out against them before they happen. Mm -hmm. And so that's incredibly frustrating when people see that, but they really are epistemic victims. You know, their, their moral mind has been overridden by the rational mind, and Gad is absolutely correct. Those are parasitic values. Wait, but wait, 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 wasn't Gad a minute ago talking about uh, deontolo- deontological values? Isn't that your moral mind, like overpowering your rational mind? These people don't make any sense throw something in it's not come up in the conversation but it, it really irks and annoys me people constantly just listening to a podcast today about the universities have become liberal and liberal and they're making liberal. no it's exactly the opposite the universities become illiberal they're liberal, they're liberal yeah 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 and people are throwing around so this is not a right left issue right this is we're teaching people very dangerous ideas and which we're ones? teaching them and we're not even modeling for them basic values, you know, like Michael has written about before. When someone asks you a question and you don't know, you just say, I don't know. And we really has anybody said they don't know the answer to any question or any. Has anybody ever said like hedged with anything they're talking about during this entire conversation? Cultures are pretending. So, no, I, I actually am. I, I don't harbor any animus to these folks. I really feel bad for them. Yeah. All right. I got one more for you guys. And I just want to say before I get to it, that it's been a pleasure talking to you guys again. And we've really haven't it's been, been a pleasure watching this a year part. later. This, is, this was what the point of the whole thing was. Um, my last question, uh, Michael, you're in Cali. Gad, you're in Canada. Pete, you're in Portland. I'm in Cali. These are all places that are hurting right now. Um, the, the Either the state or the country, the city, whatever it is. Um, are you hopeful about the place that you live and then just more broadly about the West to survive this thing? Mike, the West. With you. Oh, I am, I am hopeful. I'm, I'm optimistic. I, I do think sur- the surveys generally show that most people, citizens, for example, are against critical race theory being taught in schools. And uh, yesterday I had J- Jason Riley from the Wall Street Journal yep. on my podcast, and he was citing studies showing that most blacks do not support critical race theory. They don't think the police are out to kill them. They they don't want to defund the police. It's black elites and then white uh, intellectuals in, in general in, in academia who say these things. So it's, uh, wait, whoa, whoa. So I think if enough of us keep speaking I'm out, like, where did you hear, where, what, what survey are you talking about? You know, in kind of the intellectual realm in the academic realm against this it'll make it it'll that will turn the tide of the, that small elite that are that are pushing these ideas and that will maybe i think embolden the average person to speak up you know stand up and say no we, we've we've had enough of this and, and, and uh, so there Crazy i'm, I'm Cali, optimistic Michael? 
Well, Crazy Cali, <laughs> yeah, I mean, to, uh, you know. This guy's never going to leave L.A. or Republicans Orange County, wherever he's at. So it's, it's hard to see how that's going to turn around anytime soon. We do have another uh, election for governor in a year and a half, I guess, something like that. It's unlikely a Republican would, would come come to power, but you never know. I mean, things, no, not in California. things have changed in Texas over the decades and other states as well. So it could happen. We'll see. You know, it's not a bad place to live <laughs> in terms of the at least the weather. I'm not crazy about the taxes. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, the weather, the restrictions. Yeah, the weather is better than the taxes. Uh, Gad, you're in ca- uh, Canada, which has still some like strange lockdown stuff. It's hard to get out. It's hard to get in. Uh, on top of the fact that they're, you know, we're seeing videos, they're arresting. Is Canada? Did Canada maybe just do that so that Gad Sad can't come and go out and from Canada? Maybe just put having a fucking just giving America doing America a solid during the pandemic. Be like, listen, we're going to shut the whole thing down so that Gad Sad doesn't go back to the United States for protesting COVID mandates, all, all sorts of stuff. How hopeful are you? I, look, I am hopeful again, because I think that uh, you just need to light the, 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 the match so that people find their courage. Uh, oh, so that I people speak to can light their own farts on fire? People, all of whom are very frustrated, but yet they always have an excuse as to why they shouldn't contribute, why they shouldn't throw their hat into the ring, why it's too dangerous for them, they might lose their job. I think that once people in unison or semi-unison start finding their courage, I truly think many of these problems will go away. But until we do, I mean, it's it's a classic, what's called an economics tragedy of the commons, right? Once we resolve that problem, uh, I'm very, very hopeful that the ship will be redressed. So be hopeful. He, he just didn't optimistic. say anything. There are better days. Or if he didn't say anything, he's like, well, once people start agreeing with I, what I like, I think things will get better. And that's oh, kind of what we all think, actually. Right like, Pete, you're in Portland. I have a feeling it's going to be a little tough to be so rosy in the city <laughs> uh, of roses. Yeah. Oh, yeah. look at that house. Yo, if you live in that, if that's your house and you're mad, the problem is you. No, I, it's, I was actually saying to this to you before we went on every day. I mean, literally every day you can see it. Just two or three, the deterioration, two or three blocks from a house. There are maybe three hundred homeless people who have erected erected well this is his house in like downtown if he's telling the truth this is this this guy is loaded this guy has money the mayor of portland is a public disgrace his grotesque incompetence in the way that he's mismanaged the city and the murder rate going up two thousand percent and his attempting to or his um disbanding the gun reduction task force because they said it was racist it pulled over uh, uh, more african-americans the consequence of that is that we had more dead african-americans so wait what as long as like where like where like what do you i mean i he's not here he fuck blocked my ass on twitter fucking this guy would never talk to me i'd be like where'd you hear that like it's not that galaxy brain cite your source it's you just go oh where'd you hear that he goes oh i don't remember can i get, get it to you after the show and i'm fucking cool i don't remember where i heard everything i repeat either my god in office i see no hope whatsoever for portland i see only continued deterioration and crime it's a, really a cesspool of, of crime and needle. like violent crime this guy was this guy this guy's older than me this guy was alive in the 90s like the, the, when the when violent crime in the united states cities was at its peak it's so much safer in big cities now than it was in the late eighties through the mid nineties. Like cities are incredibly safe and trash and filth. However, oh, now he just doesn't like that. It's a city. He's like, you just, just say blight. So you don't like blight about Western civilization. We have 
there are values that we have in this country that are worth fighting for. Mm-hmm. Reason is worth fighting for. Due process is worth fighting for. Cognitive liberty is worth fighting for. Freedom. What does cognitive liberty mean? And they don't. Evaporate. You fucking think thought police are coming for him? The moment you get slugged, and you will get slugged, and we are getting slugged. And I mean, I've watched videos of him going to the college campuses where I'm like, you know, maybe one of these students will take the night in the pokey, but nobody's getting slugged, dude. This guy. Need to do now is we need to punch such back. dramatic and language for people up. make fun of me and dunk on me. And we need to teach a generation of people what it why they should stand for the flag, not just that they should stand for the flag, but what no, 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 you were just talking about freedom and like freedom of conscience and all this shit. What if you don't want to stand for the flag? Then what? This guy just like contradicted himself. He's like, oh, you should have freedom of thought and you shouldn't have people telling you what to do and how to blah, blah, blah. But oh, when that fucking flag goes up, you better fucking stand up or America's not going to freedom. By that, but, but in the same breath, we also have to teach that there's a kind of liberty that's unique to this country. This country really is a shining city on the hill. And we've lost that and we've forgotten that. And we need to re-remember. Re-remember. How do you re-remember? Isn't remember? What do you mean re-remember? No. That not, people have died for in the freest, most open, less racist country in the world. Those values have sustainability. They will last. Western civilization will last. That's right-wing mania. That was a lot of words when you could have just said 14, Peter. Cozy and everybody. Pete, you finished this on a, on a good note. This thing could have went off the rails, but you, you took us home. Uh, guys, it was it was really great seeing the three of you again, and I hope we can do this in person over over drinks and steaks sometime soon. Uh, I'm going to finish up without you, but... If you invite Jordan Peterson, don't you better not feed him a cider. Good weekend, guys. Thank you. That was sort of why I started this show in the first place. Well, that sucked. Everybody... Actually, that was a lot of fun. I haven't had that much fun on the uh, first half of the show. Well, no, we, yeah, I haven't had that much fun on the first half of the show in a while. Um, everybody, so that's the end of the podcast. Live listeners, don't go anywhere. I'm just going to go into the post game. But uh, podcast listeners, thanks for checking out the Intellectual Dollar Tree. Uh, usually I have a co-host with me, HK Perrin. He's out on adventures. He says hi. I usually actually make him close out the show. Um, you can find the show on all your pod places, whatever. Uh, you can find it on YouTube, but I don't know. Nobody follows us on YouTube. Check us out live. We're live Wednesday through Sunday on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Echoplex Media. Shows start at either 7 or 9 p.m. Pacific. And um, I don't know. Uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, I don't think that happened. If you were fucking infuriated by this podcast and you think I'm an idiot, go ahead and leave a one-star review on uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We will be going through our one-star reviews again in a couple weeks. And that's been the show. This is Boomers by Periscope. I'm about to change the color of the lights in this room, change the content of my drink, and we'll be here pretty late tonight for red light because I fucking slept in today like a motherfucker.
Media is live Wednesday through Sunday on Twitch. Shows start at 7 or 9 p.m. Pacific. You can get our whole schedule at echoplexmedia.com. Make sure to follow us, twitch.tv slash echoplexmedia.